Welcome to the Survive HR Podcast. This podcast is designed to keep you up to date on all things human resources and sometimes life. Brought to you by two co-hosts who rarely agree on anything. We promise an insightful time filled with a bit of education and a lot of laughs. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Survive HR. I'm so glad that you guys are here today. We're joined by a number of our good friends today talking about some cool stuff, but I always have to do this. I always have to introduce my co-host, Mr. Steve Nell. Um, Good morning, Steve. Well, well, hi, Kelly. And I knew you had to, you couldn't be talking about me when you said friends a a little bit ago. I wasn't. No, I wasn't. So (laughs) I hope you're doing very, very well. I am doing well. The world looks a little different these days. Things are a little greener. It's really hot in South Carolina. Um, we're about to head into a holiday weekend. Yeah, I think I, every, everyone is, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. Um, Steve, we did a podcast a few months ago, and it was one of our most popular podcasts. We did a podcast about what the CFO wants out of HR. And I think it was mm-hmm. what was funny about you mean what? why the CF why CFOs hate HR isn't that just yeah I think that was the title of the podcast why CFOs hate HR so um, <laughs> I love CFOs they hate us I don't know why but anyway um, we invited two very special guests here today um, one of which you and I have both worked very closely with and a new friend to the podcast Rich Hartnett Um, I'll give them an opportunity to introduce themselves but the goal of this podcast is really to talk about what senior executives both of these gentlemen have been senior leaders at big organizations numerous different organizations and they both have very um, interesting views about what HR partnership really looks like. And hopefully they don't hate us like the CFOs do. I'm really hopeful. I'm really hopeful. But without further ado, I'd like to introduce our good friends, Ron Newbold and Rich Hartnett. Welcome, Ron and Rich. And thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Absolutely. So, Ron, why don't we get started with you since you know Steve and I well um, and have had an opportunity to partner with us both in an HR capacity. Introduce yourself to our podcast listeners in you know, a few sentences, and then we'll allow Rich to do the same so they know who on earth you're talking about. Sure. Um, I'm Ron Newbold, and uh, I've had the pleasure of working with Kelly and uh, Steve uh, in the past years. And, I, and what, the one thing the three of us have in common is we successfully exited the lighting business. And there's a, a joke in the lighting <laughs> business that says, once you get in, there's only two ways to get out. And uh, we, we, the three of us found a way to break those rules. So uh, since having left uh, lighting, I've uh, had my own business doing consulting work for doing long range uh, strategic planning, uh, oftentimes getting involved in the initiatives that result from those, those uh, vision events and so forth. And the spaces I've had the opportunity to work in is uh, construction, manufacturing, um, uh, biosecurity, which is where I'm spending most of my time now, and uh, just really in private equity, a little private equity uh, work as well. So. Uh, we're excited for both sessions of this podcast to talk about uh, the HR stuff as well as the the product solution that we think we have uh, that many of your listeners will will, uh, like to hear about. 
Yes, absolutely. Rich, why don't you take a few moments and introduce yourself to the podcast? I will tell you, Rich, I was reading over your bio, um, which I will, if it's okay with you, post in our show notes. Um, we want to, I want to be your friends just based on your vacation properties. Um, so I, you know, I'm Puerto Rican. Isla Verde is part of my, my culture. Like it's a place in Puerto Rico. It's really awesome. And, um, I, we, we are going to be friends after this. Okay, Rich, I just wanted to let you know and level set that with you, but please introduce yourself to talk. Thank you. My name is Rich Hardin and, uh, my, my lifelong career for the past 30 years has been a resort developer. And uh, 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 as, as late as 2017, uh, we had 30 hotels uh, that we sold. And uh, then I reinvested in Puerto Rico. So I'm a career resort developer that during the pandemic uh, had a lot of time on my hands. We closed our hotels. We redid the hotels. We did construction, took the opportunity to, to really repip and put money into our, into our products while we were closed. But I had a lot of time on my hands. And one of the things that was was concerning to us is we had employees that just didn't didn't have any direction on what to do, and so we get into the biosecurity business and came across uh, the the uh, the nanofiber that we use in our in our masking. So I'm a hotelier that's been in the Caribbean for most of my life and have pivoted into biosecurity and had the pleasure of coming in contact with Ron about a year ago and and uh, brought him on board, and so. So I'm an interesting character, but from an HR standpoint, Kelly, you can appreciate this. Puerto Rico is, uh, is very interesting when it comes to HR and labor laws because we're Spanish with the Spain influence, we're Caribbean and Latin America with the Latin America position in the Caribbean, and then we're the US where we have an enormous amount of, of regulations. So I am a pro HR. They are uh, in, in Puerto Rico, they're my lifeblood of the organization. Uh, and uh, we're one of the largest employers hiring new people in Puerto Rico, and, uh, and HR is a crucial C-level position in our organization. So we're very supportive. Wow. Well, that is just wonderful to hear. I want to know. I want to know so much more. Um, so let's talk real quick um, for our listeners. I want them to gather experience from two very seasoned professionals who have done it all and worked with a lot of employees. Let me ask one question um, to, to kick us off. What does HR do well to partner with your business? Can I go first? Sure. Um, the, the things that come to mind uh, in the past with HR is, is uh, I've always seen HR do a very good job of compliance, um, making sure that hiring practices are Yeah, well, I, you asked. <laughs> Boring. Okay, go um, ahead. Keep going. <laughs> use of IT, but that's the next question. Is is probably the is the one that has the more meat on it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to ask, but you said the only thing we do well is compliance. Rich, you take it from there. Yeah. <laughs> this is, you know, in in the in the hospitality world, we 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 break the, the the business into the front of the house and the back of the house, and in the front of the house are the people that are front-facing with your customers. They're the ones that maybe work the front desk. And then you have your back of the house, your engineering, your housekeeping. And the skill set and the education level of your staff is so vast in the legislation and the rules of engagement with employees and what you can and can't do are so great that really what HR was, was, was really when you play, when you, when you bowl, if you're not a good bowler, they have the bumpers that go into the, the gutter. Well, we don't like to throw gutter balls because gutter balls can get very, very expensive. And so what we look at HR is as the bumpers 
that keep us from throwing the ball in the gutter. And so what I found is we, we don't allow anybody to fire anyone in the field. We can send somebody home with pay. We can take a deep breath, but HR has been fantastic for us to navigate the myriad of rules and regulations that the, 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 the average executive just has no way of staying on top of all the changes. And our HR department was so on top of things that I always felt that I was ahead of the curve. I knew what changes were coming. I knew what legislation was coming and I knew what OSHA was looking at. So we always felt that we were ahead of the curve as opposed to being reactive, not being on top of it and finding out after the fact, oh, we weren't compliant here, we weren't doing this. So we, we find that from a, from a, uh, a, not compliance, but you know, knowing what the rules of engagement are, and then secondarily, hiring and recruiting. Our HR department is very, very forward thinking in using testing to finding out who's a good fit in the role that they're gonna be in. It's, it's pre-screening, it's not pass or fail, it's just what are you comfortable doing and are we putting you in a position to succeed in doing something that you're comfortable? For example, if I don't like repetition, if I don't want to be in a repetitive situation, we generally don't put that person in an accounting situation where they're doing the same thing every day. And what we found is our retention has been much better, which is a cost to us. When we turn over staff, it costs us far more dollars than working and developing with people over a period of time. So turnover is one of the big things in the C-suite that we look at because it's a major cost to us in our in our operation. So I'm a little long-winded, but I'm, I, I, I'm you'll find I'm one of your bigger fans in, in how you help an organization grow and scale. And Kelly, if I could add, add one more to that, uh, one thing that I know you and I and, and Steve worked really well together on was onboarding. And you know, I've, I've always had a, an extreme passion for onboarding that first day is so important for a new employee. And I, I actually got pretty crazy about it at one point. Uh, but my goal was when that person showed up, their software was on their computer. They had a computer, right? They had their training schedule loaded into their Outlook calendar. They had a welcome shirt and letter from the people they're going to work with. They went to lunch with them that day. And my goal was always at the end of the day that that person, when they went home, uh, and talk to their, their spouse said, Hey, I made the right choice. We moved here for a really good reason. And I can't wait to go back tomorrow. So that's another thing that, uh, I, I think is extremely important that I know with, with you all that we did a, a very good job of that. Yeah. But the, you know, one of the things that I find interesting about both of you guys is that you have kind of transitioned or, you know, from, from maybe big organizations, you know, that are more structured, bureaucratic, older line industries into entrepreneurs and that's interesting because most people don't do that you know you're either kind of an entrepreneur and you have that entrepreneurial spirit and you're always doing new things and starting new businesses or you're kind of uh maybe too risk averse and stay in the, in the on the corporate side how have you made that transition uh because there's lots of listeners out there i think that think about going into business and think about making changes, but how do you actually take that step and become an entrepreneur? I know Rich and I have joke and say, we've, we've drank a lot of Kool-Aid, <laughs> um, but we've had to break a lot of the, uh, the past uh, conceptions about working in lar large organizations. And I know a lot of times we uh, uh, call ourselves glorified admins when we're, especially when we're part of a new company startup. And the cool thing is it's the guys I get to work with uh, we're all okay with that, you know, because we see where we're going. Uh, and uh, I think we gel pretty well together because of us having changed our paradigm, I guess, for lack of a better term. So 
Steve, I'm almost the inverse of, of what you said. Every company that we've developed has been developed from scratch. So the, the last business that we had that was 30 hotels, we started that from nothing. So I've had the, the benefit of really being an entrepreneur. Every company that I've been a part of, we started from scratch. And But my transition, the part that was painful for me is going from an entrepreneur to all of a sudden having a thousand employees, 30 hotels, and having to change from that seat of your pants, gut instinct, moving quickly, moving quick to when you speak as a CEO of a hundred million dollar company with a thousand employees, your words mean something and people take that as the gospel. And so if you say something, you, I, I, in my personal life, I had to learn how to work through others, how to take advice, how to slow down and how to scale. And HR was the one, my HR leader, and, and we put HR in the C-suite in our, in our company, really helped me develop myself as an executive. Uh, as we grew, there were many, many meetings with my partners. I was the youngest partner by 10 years. There were three of us. And there were many, many meetings that they would sit me down and say, you need to become an executive, not an entrepreneur. You need to make the transition to work through others. So that was very challenging for me, Steve. And HR actually took me through seven habits of highly effective people. I went through the whole course and yeah. that and that became something that I then, for all my executives, put them through. And it's something that I find timeless. It changed my life. And from development of our executives and down, uh, HR was a big leader in that. Oh, you're speaking my language. You're speaking my language, guys, because HR is so much more than um, administrative or compliance or um, bumpers on a, in a bowling alley, although I really do like that analogy. Um, I like to consider the HR function a partner to the business they didn't even know they needed um, because people are messy and people are unpredictable and people don't operate like machines. So I guess, let me ask this final HR question. And then I want to talk about this new product. Um, what is it that we could do better? What is it that you've seen HR professionals do that we could do better that would allow us to better partner with organizations. So if you had to give advice out to our HR listeners, lots and lots of HR listeners, lots of business listeners too, what is it that we could do better? I guess the, the first thing that, that comes to my mind is oftentimes I've seen HR get so caught up in the day-to-day -day, day -day and they're not as visible with the employees as, as they could be. I mean, it's I've heard comments before, like, well, so-and-so, does he still work here? <laughs> like, yes. You're talking so, about Steve, right? Yeah, you're talking to, about Steve. What? No, no. You're, you're, you're definitely talking podcast. about Steve. Would never do yeah. that. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I remember the phrase management by walking around, you know, and I think it's good for HR to be among the employees frequently uh, to keep a pulse on, uh, on things in the spirit of creating and maintaining a great culture. And culture to me is everything in a business. So one of my team members calls it vibe check. I guess that is a new phrase of the new generation, a vibe check. Um, so she, she just came to me there. She's like, we've got to do a vibe check. Got to do it. I'm like, oh, that's like a thing. Okay, cool. That's cool. What about you, Rich? I think uh, Ron made a good point, but I think the, the, the bigger one is more interaction on a personal level. I found that, that HR is, is this you know, the police, the, the compliance, that there's a fear sometimes of the, the staff members if they don't have a lot of interaction. And what we found is the more we got to know 
the people, the person, the human being element of who is in that office, the commonality, I, I, it creates trust. I, I, going back to, to Covey and the seven habits, I'm a huge trust, high trust. And, and, and in my relationship with HR, it was always in a high trust relationship where this be honest, let's put everything on the table, let's figure out what our best path is. And you, know, you get in some really tough situations in the C-suite with HR, with things that you've never seen before that have come up, obviously with, with where the society is moving, which, which we're all be becoming more educated and learning more and more understanding. And, and, and I think it's all positive. Uh, I think guys like me, I'm, I'm 55. Uh, I've been in business for a while. Uh, I, I need to move and learn. And, and I think high trust with that HR department, creating that high trust uh, really helps move that along. And so I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. That is wonderful, wonderful advice. I appreciate that um, very much from both of you. Um, to transition the podcast, we have done something short. I don't know, Steve, I don't even know how many podcasts we've done. I feel like we've done so many. It's well over 60 at this point, um, 60 to 70 podcasts at this point. We've, <laughs> I would like to say we've done 90% of them on this little pandemic called COVID because we launched our podcast just in time for a pandemic to come and like change up the face of HR which is great. It's given us lots and lots of content. Um, but, you know, masking is something that we talk about often. We just did a podcast about the changing CDC regulations and the changing guidance. Um, and Ron, you and I met a few weeks ago and you introduced me to this really cool product, um, which um, was a different type of mask made out of a different type of fiber. And what's really interesting is I know mask guidance is changing and people who are vaccinated, according to the CDC, no longer need to wear masks. But there are some people, I was reading an article the other day about how some people may always choose to wear a mask and how it is, you know, how many colds didn't happen as a result of masking, how many um, illnesses didn't happen as a result of that. And I do think that one unvaccinated people currently still have to, according to the CDC guidance, but I think some people will continue to wear masks, um, well into the future. I think I'll wear one all of cold and flu season, and I'm going to wear one provided by you, Ron. So Ron, Rich, why don't you tell us more about this cool product? And, um, then we'll ultimately give our listeners an opportunity to learn more. Rich, won't you kick it on? Sure. One of the when, when Ron and I talked about the the biosecurity business when we when when the pandemic hit, um, generally what we learned very quickly is that the the, the way to, to guard against it is a layered protection. There was no magic feather, one size fits all, makes it go away. And so one of it was obviously, you know, your face mask, your surface protection, and your air protection. And one of the products that we that we have in our in our company is a, a product called. Uh, Imperial and Impale. It's an antimicrobial spray. And Boeing is our biggest customer. And so this product is used on all, when they disinfect all the planes, the antimicrobial is sprayed on the planes and it essentially bonds to the surfaces, creates spikes and keeps the virus from living on hard surfaces. So as a consequence of being in this business, we were, we, we were approached by a company called BMT Textile out of New York and they make screening. If you can imagine screen doors, you're screening in your patio a fabric like that, but it has a microscopic fiber in between the, the fabric that you can't see that essentially blocks anything going through the fabric at 99% at the aerosol level. So when you look at uh, um, the masks out in the marketplace, when you look at when it talks about filtration, this fabric, this screening filtrates at 99.9%. .9%. And the company came to us 
about putting the antimicrobial on the fabric. Well, ultimately we decided not to put the antimicrobial on the fabric, but we were introduced to the fabric and we asked if we could make prototypes with masks. The company agreed to it. We had that contract and we started making prototypes. And, the, and, and what we found is the, the nanofiber, the microscopic fiber that you can't see. When you look at the mask, Kelly, and you hold it up, you, you, you can see through it, but, 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 but it blocks at 99%. How can that be? Well, it's because the fiber is microscopic. They take a, a one polymer and they, it's a single drop of a fiber and they lay it over constantly over a mat. So it creates these tiny, tiny holes that block things like COVID, the host that carries COVID, but allows air to get through. And that's the technology or the secret sauce. And so what we found as we developed the mask is people didn't take these off. When they put them on, they kept wearing them. And, and the biggest issue with N95s and surgical masks is you can't breathe through them. So people are constantly taking them off and not wearing them. And so our research as we continue to distribute the mask is that people just didn't take them off. And so we've been uh, very successful in, in, uh, in, in, in anybody that has to exert themselves, people that are outdoors, uh, people that are working in gardening, it works for pollen. And so what we found is a comfortable mask that people can breathe and it's reusable. Uh, when you look at N95s and the disposable masks, they're causing a, a major problem with landfills because you have to throw them away. You can use them for three or four hours and you throw them away. This product is good for up to 30 days and you can just hand wash it and reuse it. And so we tripped over the product as a consequence of it being a barrier screen to replace plexiglass and it's pivoted into a, a, a fantastic product that's selling very, very well. Uh, we've got people that once they get it, they don't change. And uh, it's been a it's been a nice product. I've been I've been I'm actually there's two things. One, people listening to this podcast may say, "What are you guys doing a podcast about? You know, a masking product when we don't have to wear a mask anymore?" Okay. And to Kelly's point, lots of people are going to be wearing masks. But I think you know, again, you never know what's next. You know, even in flu seasons, it could be recommended, and I think it help maybe in flu seasons, cold seasons, that sort of thing. Even if there aren't, you know, hopefully there will not be another COVID or some variant of COVID nineteen. Um, but I think it's really I've been wearing this mask literally. It's been the only mask I've worn since I met with Ron about six weeks ago. And it is, and I hate masks, okay? I definitely, I just hate wearing them. I don't like, I've not found any that I like that are comfortable. And I can tell you that by far this material, which is patented material, um, is much more breathable, much more comfortable uh, than anything that I've I've worn, and I really like that. The other thing that I think is interesting about your business that can go uh, no matter what happens with COVID masking in the future, whatever, is the cleaning uh, solution. Because as I understand it, and you can explain that um, one of you, maybe Ron or, or 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 Rich, either one. But as I understand it, you know, now we're going through like in the in the in the classrooms at the university, we clean after every class. I have to clean every desk, wipe it down. Um, and then at night, people come in and, and the cleaners come in. As I understand it, this this product you have can last for several several days and you don't have to do the kind of cleaning that you had to, that everybody's been doing typically uh, this whole year. Is that correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And, you know, I, I always find it interesting, Steve. I think you make a good point that you know, everybody's always cleaning surfaces, right? They've got bottles and rags and they're constantly wiping down surfaces, but 
the mask is a protection against airborne pathogens, right? So that's where they exist, right? That, that can cause the most the most problems. So uh, that's why our, our masks work so well is because that what is is floating around in the air, it will not allow it to pass through. To your your point about uh, uh, washing, they're actually re reusable for th 30 plus days. Uh, and you can wash them every day if you want with warm soapy water and let them air dry and they'll dry, what, Richard, within 10 minutes or something like that. So, um, and, you know, just for, for what it's worth, Kelly, I, I, I appreciate you making the point that the CDC guidelines was directed only at the third of the population that's had the double vaccine, right? There's still two thirds that should be wearing them. And I went on this morning before we got on the podcast on AARP, and there are still 20 states with a statewide mandate on, on AARP. So it's easy to be in South Carolina, you know, and, and look around and, you know, very few people wearing masks, but there's some, there's still a lot of hotbeds around. And internationally, we're finding a lot of, a lot of uh, people who need this solution. We're, we're working heavily with people in Mexico and Malaysia, uh, uh, Denmark, um, and uh, getting a, a lot of, a uh, uh, lot, lot of interest. Uh, yeah, I actually, Brian, I actually think I was thinking about that very thing. The international application must be so huge. Like, what if we could ship these to India? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. What if we could ship these? You know, I just think about our the, our listeners who have international um, international um, applications, but also from um, so like COVID aside, like one day COVID's going to end, and one day we're not going to be wearing masks to prevent against COVID. The, this technology can replace industrial hygiene applications sure. as well. Um, from a sustainability perspective, I love the idea of not having to institute N95s, but instead being able to utilize this application instead. Um, so long, long after this, I think this technology will sustain in different applications. I'm excited about it. Correct, Kelly. One of the one of the groups that we're we're we're, we're very active with, and that uh, was just a consequence of somebody getting the mask in their hands, is asthmatics. Uh, we have a large group of people that have <laughs> asthma that, that the masks. Uh, one of the ladies that runs the Asthmatic Association in Norway. We're big in Norway. We have a a, a, a big science group that loves the product, and they're actually registering the nanoscreen fiber in Norway as a special standalone product. So that the nanofiber will have its own category in masks in, in Norway and the EU. We find Europe much faster and quicker in working with the technology than we do here in the US. We find the US very, very slow in <laughs> the technology. What? Um, no. <laughs> unfortunately, what we find here is that it's it's politicized. This is a politicized issue in our country. It's yeah. not in other places. In Europe, this is not politicized whatsoever. It's what's the best way to keep people comfortable and protected. The other issue that we're finding that's very, very positive is, is that youth and children are, are very comfortable with the mask. They don't take it off, they wear it. And again, they're the least to be vaccinated and with schools and, and whatnot that's going on. We're finding that that's a, a market that's continuing. But you know, if you've traveled to Asia uh, you know, prior to, to COVID, uh, mask wearing is very common. You see very it common. everywhere. Extremely common, and, and, yep. and I think what, what, what it comes down to is before COVID or before the pandemic here in the U.S., if you wore a mask, I think there was some sort of people would judge you as are you sick? Are you what's wrong with you? It was it was almost not frowned upon, but it was not a, a commonplace thing, and there was a level of uncomfortableness. 
I think with this now, people are very comfortable wearing a mask and, and our research has showed us that there's a percentage of the population that will continue to use masks, whether it's flu season, whether it's during smog in LA, you know, our, 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 our fabric is fine enough to filter out smog. It's fine enough to filter out bacteria, uh, filter out all those things that, um, that, can, uh, uh, that can be uncomfortable for us or, or damaging to us. Isn't the same, isn't the same true with the, the, your, your cleaner, your fogger, because in flu seasons, for example, even if there's not another COVID, isn't that a good product to prevent flus since it, because of the, the way it cleans the surface? Yeah, Steve, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because it goes back to our earlier point where everyone's cleaning surfaces, but there is, is so much nasty stuff floating around in, in the air. You can clean surfaces all you want, but they're only as clean as, uh, they're only gonna stay uh, disinfected until they dry. And then those airborne pathogens fall and, and build bioload back on the surfaces uh, immediately after. So the fogging uh, disinfecting thing that we have uh, literally kills everything in the air uh, as well as the surfaces. And it's actually a positively charged product. So it, it, it attracts not just to the top surfaces when you fog, it literally touches every single surface in a space. And I think Rich, what would we estimate if we did Madison Square Garden, it'd take us what, three minutes? Yeah, we can do it. actually 15 seconds. Yeah, so do. it's it's that it's that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I wish I had known about you guys about a year ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would have been so uh, helpful. What's interesting? How long does it last? Is, is, what we've learned with with products like this is that you know living in the southeast, mold and mildew is something that we live with that that never goes away. And and yep. what's interesting is is the products that are effective with COVID and remediation also have been effective and proven with mold and mildew. So in our world with the antimicrobial and the fogger machine, what we're finding is that big box stores, anybody that's got large facilities and that have damp space, we're finding that this is a, a product that will continue through uh, the COVID and, and be something that's in the mainstream maintenance protocol. And that's one of the, the, the positive things that's come out of the pandemic is a lot of money went into R&D that ordinarily never would have because yeah. of the urgency of the situation. So from a, un, uh, it's, it's not a real sexy business sanitation, but in the sanitation business, there were great milestones and, 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 and things made in the pandemic that will, that will benefit us all after the fact. Well, yeah. if, people, if people wanted to get your products, let's say they wanted, let's say they want to uh, have, you know, a thousand masks and they want them branded and they want to, they want to utilize the, 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 uh, the cleaner, the fogger that you've got the product, how would they, how do they go about contacting you and learning more about this? Yeah. Uh, you can just go to impact air and that's M P A C T air, all one word.com. And you can, uh, uh, contact us through there. And we, we uh, have the ability to do uh, logos on, on these samples. We can do a process called sublimation, which actually recolors the fabric um, and uh, allows for the same level of breathability uh, than without the uh, sublimation. And, um, and if you go onto the website for the masks, if you use a, there's a discount code, if you put in NEW40, you'll get a 40% discount on the masks. Uh, if, that's for friends and family kind of thing, but if it's a larger quantity, it's best to, uh, you know, contact us and uh, we, we can, we can do better pricing on larger quantity orders. 
Well, what's fascinating about this and for our listeners is this is, so Steve and I, um, just in the interest of full disclosure, we're not getting paid to do this. This is a product Steve and I both like, um, and we're unwilling to talk about things that we don't like. The mask is, um, the mask is so fascinating that my, I'll tell you, this is a funny anecdote. So everyone knows I've got these like five little munchkins running around and my kids still have to wear masks because they're not vaccinated. And my husband refused at first to let my daughter wear your mask. (laughs) And in conversation with him, he's like, Kelly, you can breathe right through it. It can't protect you. And my kids were doing tests with it. They were putting them on and then like blowing through the master. Like I can feel my air. This can't possibly protect you. I was like, no, 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 no. New technology. Um, and I think that that is one of the things I, I always think it's really funny that it took an entire year of trying out every mask imaginable to find one that I finally liked. Um, so here we are. And I appreciate both of you very much, Ron and Rich, for being on our podcast, talking first and foremost about partnership from an HR perspective. It's always enlightening to hear what leaders in industry have to say about a partnership Um, for our community, because being a partner in HR is paramount. And then obviously talking about this cool new product that I think that has, has a ton of different applications for our U.S. listeners, our international listeners, and anyone that's in the industrial hygiene space as well. So thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's great having you guys. And look, we couldn't do this show without our sponsors. And our primary sponsor has been and continues to be Hainsworth Sinclair Boy. They are a great firm. In fact, you guys, if you need any legal assistance in any way, they are a um, multifunctional firm. Okay, so multidisciplinary. So they can help you set up your corporation or or help you with an employment problem if you have that. So a very good firm uh, here to use, but we love Haynes or Sinclair Boyd and we appreciate them sponsoring the show. And Kelly, you know, you were more pleasant than typical today and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it must be because we really have- wanna, It's because we have guests and I wanna be friends with Rich. And you know, it's, that's just the reason. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you guys. I hope everyone has a wonderful week, weekend, whenever you're listening to this podcast, just a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. Bye everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you like our podcast, please rate us and share our podcast. Our hope is to help this already busy community of business leaders learn a little while laughing along the way.